Welcome travelers. Thank you for staying with us here at the Doug Talk Inn. Our staff of elementary schoolers have prepared the master bedroom for your weekend visit. In order to ensure the best experience, we just need you to sign this disclaimer. The Dub Talk Inn may contain words and topics that are not suitable for child guests. Parental discretion is advised. Also, there will definitely be spoilers for Oko's Inn and any other anime being discussed. Be forewarned in case something you haven't finished is brought up. Per the opinions express here are those in the individual host and do not necessarily reflect the dub talk in as a whole. And as a final heads up, if you happen to see any spirits wandering around the inn, just give them some snacks and they'll grant you good luck for the rest of your stay. You weren't gonna eat those cakes anyway, were you? Well, that takes care of everything. Your luggage has been taken to your room. Dinner will be served soon. Please have the best time ever. Hello, Master, and welcome back to the Dub Talk Inn, the specialized inn hidden deep in the woods where we bring you fresh fish Fish from the ocean, vegetables, forage from the gardens, and spirits bug you all day and night. In fact, if you listen very carefully, you can hear the sound of bearded music guy and Memphis sign makers haunting you in your dreams. Listen carefully. I'm going to explain what a stylophone is to you. I'm going to steal all the beer from your fridge. No! Wait, wait, let me check. Hold on a second. Oh, it's all White Claw. Alright, you can have that. (laughs) Oh, God, no. (laughs) Even ghosts have their standards. Also, what exactly is a stylophone I'm on? Uh, it's a... It's a little... It's a little... It's basically like a really tiny portable synthesizer that you play with a stylus. They're invented in the 60s. Is that like... I was gonna ask, that, that sounds like it was an instrument that predates the synth craze of the 80s. Yes. To give you an idea of who cares about this kind of thing, I was introduced to it because uh, they might be giant. Sometimes pulls one out. Of course they would. They exactly. sound like the kind of guys who would pull retro '60s non-theremin instruments out. Absolutely. So, uh, as you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, this is a special three-man episode of Dub Talk, and today we have a special Patreon request. Woohoo! Mm. And so, for our special Patreon episode, this is an episode that we record uh, once in a while to part of the Dub Talk Patreon raffle. Those are wonderful patrons. One of them will get to select an episode for us to record. So, before we list who it was, I'd like to give a big shout out to the awesome members who make up the Dub Talk Patreon. For our $5 patrons, I want to give a big thank you to Nico Robin, but with Yaoi hands, the miraculous Corazon. Crimson Echidna, B. Morris, and Michelle Travis. And for our extra special thanks to our $10 patrons, we'd like to give a big thanks to Spartacus, Marissa Lenti, J2, also known as Jared, Jacob Wilson, Carly Lestikow, and the winner of today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, give a big round of applause to Julia W. Actually, I'm going to do this with my fingers. We're going to do coffee shop style. 
So, if you would like to be a patron, you know where to go. Click the link below. And what did Julia pick for today's episode? Well, as you can probably tell from reading the description and the fact that we talked about inns at the top of this, we are actually going to be covering a movie today. Yes, uh, not too long ago, Madhouse decided to adapt a series of children's picture books into a movie that got licensed by G-Kids, dubbed by the NYV Post, and now we get to cover it here. This is Oko's Inn. Although, it is called Oko's Inn, but I gotta be honest, I way prefer the Japanese title for it, which is Waka Okami wa Shoku Sie, which basically translates to The Young Innkeeper is an Elementary School Student? Wow, that's quite a change. Mm. Yeah, they kind of uh, narrowed that down a little bit. It's I like mean, I, I have to imagine... I'm getting erased flashbacks. Oh god, I don't, I don't even remember what the full title for Erased was. It was, something re- it was some really long light novel title, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is kind of a light novel in itself, too. But no, it's actually uh, based on, like I said, a, a series of children's picture books uh, adapted by Madhouse, directed by a guy who has a lot of experience with Studio Ghibli. So if any of you are watching this and thinking, wow, this reminds me of that Miyazaki movie I saw many years ago, there's a reason for that. So, Oko's in. What exactly is it about? Well... Um, a young girl named Oriko Seki, or Oko for short, is having the time of her life with her mom and dad, visiting the shrine and just going on vacation. Nothing could possibly go wrong in the first five minutes. Unfortunately, things do go wrong, and they are unfortunately, her mom and dad are killed in a car accident, leaving her in the care of her grandma, Minaki, who owns an inn in the kind of um, uh, a more old-fashioned style inn. They've only got five rooms, they have a very small a group of employees, but they also take a lot of pride in being uh, more down-to-earth in for their guests. And through the course of becoming a member of the inn, she also encounters spirits who happen... She's the only one who can see them. Apparently her brush with death means that she can actually see spirits and other mythical creatures around her. And, well, they help her to basically become the newest innkeeper. And, well, we're going to talk about that mi- little bits of adventure here today. Um, to my right, I would like to welcome the chef of the group, Spaceman Hardy. Yeah, this has too much salt in it. Take it back. That doesn't sound like something you'd actually say. No, it literally is something I have to say. You know, guys, I got kind of got high blood pressure, so... Good point, yeah. good point. So, I, I did like the way that they explained how to solve that, just like... It was um, brush it with salt water and grill it to give it extra flavor. Over here, I'm thinking, have they never heard of Mrs. Dash? No. <laughs> no, they probably haven't. I mean, that, that, that solves all the problems right there. What, what's Mrs. Dash? It's a blend of herbs and spices to, that will season your food without salt. That does sound good, actually. Mm-hmm. That is very good. Yeah. So for people like me and my dad who have high blood pressure, we can enjoy our food without having to risk, you know, stroke and heart attack. That is good. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Mm. And also on our staff, we have the the housekeeper um, who loves to wear a kimono. Uh, please welcome Amandul. <laughs> Hello. You can see the kimono um, is like a foot too short for me. You can just see I'm wearing like sneakers <laughs> and socks instead of actual sandals. <laughs> Why don't you wear actual oh, sandals? I have flat feet. It hurts to walk around in them. I can't well, help it. 
honestly, I, I could see you as like wearing those uh, those old monk shoes, the ones that are like a foot off the ground. Oh, I would fall over so quickly. <laughs> and I am uh, Noah Clue. I get. I guess I get to be the um, the old lady in this group. No, no, no. I'm gonna be the the troll who steals all the food. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna be. So it's real life then. Exactly. You, I'm so glad you're here, Hardy. You, you would pick the most cartoon character in the show. Absolutely. There, there's only there's only really one. The rest of them are more on the human sides. So um, yeah, like we said, this is a, this is going to be a very distinct episode because uh, not only is it um, a movie which is completely standalone, but uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of voice actors that you have probably never heard of before. Uh, like you, you two guys, did you? In, go- in preparation for this episode, did anyone really recognize most of the cast? Not really. I had like, I had like a couple where I, I thought, oh, that name seems familiar. And then when I looked it up, it's like I'm clearly thinking of someone else. It wouldn't be this person. There, there is one person that I actually did recognize from other animated products, but the rest of them were yeah, the- completely new to me. Yeah at, at, yeah, at best it was like, oh, I've heard of this thing you've been in, but I've never actually seen it myself. Yeah, that's the same with me, too. It wasn't even that I'd, I'd ever heard of their, um, their role. It was just, I, I may have heard of the production you're in, mm. though I have never actually sat down to watch it before. So th- this is um, the reason for this is because, um, like we said at the top, this is an NYV dub, which um, is uh, sometimes they'll, um, they'll pull actors and actresses from outside of the regular anime pool. So, you know, you may be used to your L.A. talent or your Houston or Dallas talent. We're going outside of that. We're pulling from mostly uh, TV and theater people from New York City, or at least the New York area. So um, if you've all been saying, like, oh, man, they cast the same actors over and over again, get ready to have your mind blown, because this inn has a whole cast of people that are brand new to your ears, probably. And so with that, let us dive into this uh, particular production. So um, to start with, um, well, I-, I guess we should get the obvious out of the way. Uh, director and writer on this. I mean, it's an NYEV production. It's a movie released by G-Kids. So obviously the ADR director has got to be Michael Schneider. Aha! You thought it was going to be Michael Nicholas, didn't you? I got you so good. But no, um, this is actually... Um, uh, Michael Cinder Nicholas did uh, work as an executive producer on this. But for the actual direction and writing on it, uh, he handed us off to... Uh, a relative newcomer to the uh, directing and writing scene, Michael Schneider. Um, you've probably seen his directing work in stuff like um, Fireworks or Maquia, or if you're like Hardy and you just got the DVD release of it, you probably saw him in Promare as the ADR director on that. As I understand, Hardy, you just got that in the mail like today, right? Yeah, and actually that's one of the dubs I haven't been able to watch yet. Uh, I had to watch the, in the theater. I had to... I had to uh, miss the date for the dub, so I watched it the sub instead. So it's, I'm looking forward to actually finally being able to watch this dub. I've been waiting months for it. I haven't seen it yet myself. It sounds like fun, though. I, I'll, probably, I'll probably watch the streaming version of it. As far as um, and writing, uh, Michael Schneider is also the writer on this. And he's a... Also, like I said, he's also a little new on the grounds of writing and direction. Uh, he's got much more engineering experience, but he does have a couple of other credits. Uh, he wrote for he wrote the tub for uh, Dragon Quest, and he was also the writer on Promare. So uh, I guess we should probably discuss what in the world this movie is and how does it sound, because it is very different from most stuff I'm used to. Tell me what you think, Amon. I enjoyed this, but you're, this this feels... 
very different. I mean, this feels different from a lot of anime as we tend to think of it, especially cover on this show, if only because this is feels a lot more grounded. Um, it, it is it is appropriate that you know this this on the animation side this has Ghibli veterans in it because that was kind of the closest thing I'd thought to like some of Ghibli's more. Not unfantastical, but like, you know, the parts of Totoro where Totoro's not around, it's just about this family in the countryside. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, like the parts of Wolf Children that are just about her, like, living in the backwoods, and there's just people there. And it all feels very much like this could be a regular drama. With no supernatural elements or anything like that, it feels very uh, down-to-earth. Um... And I and I thought I thought like the tonally I felt that was a, a notable actress act that that's part of, that's something the movie I think has like even with all the ghosts very like down to earth story about mm -hmm. you know grief and loss and so on uh, and I thought the dub captured that really well like uh, the thing that stuck out is a lot of these sounded like real people like there wasn't a lot of act, affectation or exaggeration per se you know there oh, okay. a little a little a little here and there but a lot of you know. It, this is one of these dubs where I feel like if I if if it was if it was on somewhere but not where I could like see the television, and you mm -hmm. asked me like, hey, do you think this is a cartoon or a live action thing? I'd probably have to think really hard before coming to a conclusion about that, because it's like, well, it doesn't sound like a cartoon necessarily, but that you're asking that suggests it is a cartoon. Who are you, trickster man? What are you trying to pull? I don't know if I'd say it sounded more like a cartoon, but, um. I do think it did sound different from most of the dubs that you usually uh, come across. It's not nearly as overacted or as um, exuberant. I think that there's, I wouldn't say, it's got an energy to it, but that energy is much more subdued and laid back and just, for the most part, chill. Um, uh, mainly the times to where it does get to be a little bit more on the overacted side are usually when Oko's interacting with the spirits or, or when she's having one of her, her PTSD freakouts over her parents. And mm -hmm. um, and I think it's able, the dub is generally able to go back and forth between those two instances pretty well. Um, I wouldn't say it's a perfect dub. There are a few lines and a few actors that don't really resonate with me. And we'll get to that mm. later. But in general, I think it sounds much more... Like Amon said, it takes a more realistic approach. It's not really acting like a uh, acting like an anime. It's, it's more of a... It, it has more of an actual film sort of sound to it. See, so you say film, and uh, I felt like it was honestly... It felt more like a, a stage production. Like something that would be... You would see performed by uh, your local uh, acting troupe instead, which is also lends itself to being more realistic because it has to be grounded in the setting that the people are living in. And this, this is, like you said, Amon, it's a less fantastical setting. I mean, there are spirits in there, but it's all rooted in stuff that could actually happen. With the writing side on it, um, I, I guess would you guys also say that it, it like it, it feels faithful to what the Japanese was trying to go for? Like nothing felt lost in adaptation. Uh, yeah, I feel like it covered its bases pretty much. I don't know, having not watched the Japanese uh, version, uh, I don't know if there are any puns in there that, that got mistranslated or anything, but as far as I can tell, it's pretty accurate. 
Yeah, there, there's one pun that I don't know. I, I also didn't get a chance to watch it in Japanese, but there's one part where uh, a character falls off a roof, and she unfortunately, you know, she fortunately does not get hurt. And she's one character says, "Wow, that was a close shave." And then she, in response, says, "I didn't get shaved. See, my hair's still all on my head." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the, the uh, like. I, I'm assuming it was something very similar in Japanese. I, I don't know what the Japanese word for shave is, but like that, that's the kind of thing that makes me think that they they adapted this as faithfully as you could while still retaining the elements of English that we enjoy listening to. Mm. Yeah, it didn't it didn't feel very like punched up at all. It felt I, I also did not watch the Japanese. Uh, we're bad at this, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I got an excuse, and you guys technically don't have an excuse. But hey, I mean, look, we'll, we'll look, I, that str- I straight up forgot where I put my copy for about a day and a half. So you know, <laughs> I mean, we're not called sub talk. Let's be real here. Oh no, no, that's the. And if we were, that's the, uh... if we were called sub talk, it'd be the sandwiches. <laughs> We'd have a podcast about eating sandwiches, which. That actually sounds like a good idea now that I think about it. Darn it, Harry. That was my like my secret plan I was planning on releasing later on. We, you know, you and I and a couple others were like, we'll get okay, we'll we'll go to Jimmy John's and then we'll test them out and then or we'll compare to Subway and you know, we'll, we'll corner the market on sub talk. Where was I going with this? But yeah, um as far as um uh direction and writing on this, I mean, I guess the fun- the big question is, does it sound different to most anime because uh we know that the cast uh, hasn't done a whole lot of anime work, or is it just because uh, Michael took a different approach to um, addressing the content? I think it's a lot of it might actually does have to deal with the fact that the cast is is a relative. I want to say relatively unknown to your average, excuse me, average anime dub listener. They're not mm-hmm. the voices that we're used to. Even though, if you look at a few of them, uh, a few of them have actually done a surprisingly a, a good amount of anime in older productions. Hmm. That, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting to look at. Yeah, this this feels like a combination of partially the adaptation and just kind of what the movie is in the first place, and also that the acting pool being drawn on is often people who don't necessarily not have VO experience, just not for anime productions. Because there are some people in here who have been in, like, Western cartoons, and clearly you have, like... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you know, if you, you know, you, you, you know, commercials made in the New York area feature some of these people or something like that. Um, right. So, like, they, they have the chops, just not in this particular niche. Yeah. And, and I mean, we gotta be honest that uh, if you're not living in one of the big cities where anime is being dubbed, then it's just, like, you could be the greatest actor that there is, the greatest voiceover actor, you're just not gonna get cast in those productions. That's true. I think um, there, there was a behind-the-scenes extra on the Lucky Star DVD where I think it was Michelle Ruff talked about that, how she started out in Chicago, and she you know, she could get acting work, but she couldn't get voiceover work because they weren't dubbing anything in Chicago. So she had to move to Los Angeles to get that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move on, um, were, were there any negative things that stuck out to you in watching this? Anything that like stuck you as, like, not, um, you know, you guys are seasoned dub talk nitpickers. Do you have any picks to knit? If there was one thing, it's that some of the child actors were, well, victims of child acting. You don't say. Yeah, yeah. But we'll get to that once we get, once we address them individually. Okay. Mm-hmm. Aman, any picks in it? Not particularly. Um, maybe that, but otherwise, like I thought, this felt like a very this 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 the whole production felt like it was just handled really well. Uh, I think it was, it, it was clearly had a level of care put into it of like, okay, we're making a nice 
a nice, friendly, accessible children's movie. Uh, like, this is something we can easily give to, like, parents and so on. And mm-hmm. we want to put a, you know, we, we, you know, to speak from sort of a capitalist marketing standpoint, it's like, we want to make our product, <laughs> we want to make our product good. And they all, and, and like, anyone who's doing this has clearly looked at, like, how, you know, how well, like, you know, Disney did, being like, hey, we have these high-quality, like, family-friendly slash kids movies. Let's give them generally well-put-together English dubs and more people will watch them. Uh, and I think anything in that vague style that's come since the mid-2000s has, you know, they're aware of that. So it's like, okay, we'll give it a good English language track. Parents will buy it for their children. Everybody wins. <laughs> that could also be a reason why they, they decided to go with the more localized title of Oko's Oh, Zen 100%. Because... Absolutely. I, like, I mean, your average anime fan sees that title, the young innkeeper yeah. is an elementary school student, and you think, oh, that sounds like, you know, light novel yeah. and perky and that's, happy. I'll check that out. That, that's, your average that's, the title, that's a title they stick with if, like, Sentai picks it up. Yeah. So, um... I believe that pretty much covers all the, the size on direction writing. Most of our talk is going to be really devoted to diving into the voice acting because, oh my gosh, this cast is interesting. I love when we get to do this, though. Like I love when we get to cover voice actors that we don't normally get to talk about. It gives us something new to, to cover on this podcast. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, um, we've got a big cast to cover, but, of course, if you're going to start with a Disney-esque uh, My Parents Died in the Beginning of the Movie kind of movie we got to start talking about the parents. And um, for multiple reasons, we got to talk about them. So Oko's parents are Saki Koseki and Shoji Seki. And uh, you, you may think that, well, they died in a car crash. Do they show back up in flashbacks of any kind? Uh, no. The film goes to great lengths to show Oko kind of almost delusionally having conversations with them as if they were still alive throughout the course of the movie. And I guess the arc of it is her accepting the fact that they are no longer there and she has to grow up without them. But that means that we get to hear these voice actors throughout the whole course of the movie. It, 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 it's interesting. So, the uh, let's see. So, Sakiko is voiced by Allison Leigh Rosenfeld, who, uh, this is one who you have probably heard in other anime before. Um, if you've been watching any Pokemon, she's in a lot of the recent stuff. Um, probably one of their most known characters is in the Pokemon XY series she plays Bonnie if you've seen Lou Over the Wall which is a movie that Amon and I got to see in its American premiere and loved very much mm-hmm. uh, she plays Isaki in that movie and if you're a fan of Disney Channel productions and you've seen Nella the Princess Knight not the uh, not the, um, the 60s Tezuka film series but the actual Disney show uh, she plays the villain Olivia I haven't seen the show yet, but having read the character description, this is very different from the mom character she plays in this movie. Switching over to the dad side of things, Shoji is voiced by James Weaver Clark. Now, he is less uh, seasoned in the anime sphere, and um, not, not too too much, though. Um, there is a couple of Pokemon productions in here, like in Pokemon Sun and Moon, he plays Mad Magma. I don't know who that is. Maybe you guys know who that is? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Don't watch Pokemon. I see it. Haven't in many, many years. Oh, uh, darn uh, I see. I got the, the Pokemon uh, less seasoned people in the crowd. That's okay. I feel uh, I feel better then. I'm in good company. Um, in the uh, Mazinger Z Infinity movie, James plays Takaki. And in the redub of Gundam Seed, uh, he uh, plays a couple of incidental characters in that one. And fun fact, to round out the discussion... 
James Weaver Clark and Allison Leigh Rosenfeld happen to be married to each other. So we have an actual couple playing a couple in this movie. Aww. I know. Is that not adorable or what? It's extremely it's adorable. Like in, it's like in Matilda where uh, Danny DeVito and Ray Perlman <laughs> played the couple in that movie, too. Yeah. Two more disastrous. Not... Yeah. Is it just me or does the mom... Kind of look like she came straight out of a Leiji Matsumoto show. Leiji Matsumoto. Thank you for saying <laughs> yeah. that. I, Yep, I wrote that down yeah. too. And no, the dad kind of reminds me from the dad from Totoro for some reason. It's like... Oh yeah, I wrote that down like they too. They came from completely two different movies and, and came together. Um, but uh, I think there's nothing to complain about. Um, we do see, despite them being dead, we do see Oko's parents quite a bit... Uh, during the movie, and um, and they sound genuine. That's that's really all I can say. In fact, that's basically going to be a lot of what I'm going to be saying to a lot of the characters tonight, especially the smaller ones. Is it sounds genuine? It sounds fine. I have no real complaints one way or the other. Um, yeah, I I really have nothing more to say. I'm I'm, I'm in agreement. Like they both do a very good job. Uh, they just, they sound very authentic, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. like, one of the things I enjoy about this dub is that, like... But, like, they sound like authentically dead parents? <laughs> I, it, it, when they, when they, when they're talking, especially in the beginning when they're, like, just talking with Oko, it's like, oh, this is a family. And those, the, way, the way they, like, interact and bounce off each other feels like, oh, this is, this, they sound like, like, I, I buy, I very, even for, like their sporadic appearances, I very much buy them as like, oh, this is a family unit. Aren't they? They're, they're so cute and sweet and they joke with each other. Um, and they give good, solid performances. Uh, and I guess play the, the interesting trick of having to play characters who just exist in that weird liminal space of like, they're not even ghosts, they're just... They're imaginary friends, almost. For their, yeah. For their, as their daughter processes her grief. That's... I don't think I've really ever seen that in, a, in anything else before. Like most of the time, if you've got a character who is passed on and someone's communing with them, then yeah, they're, they're like very visibly ghosts. Uh, there's not like this. Uh, I'm still in limbo kind of uh, characterization of them. So that was refreshing to watch in this movie. Mm. Uh, they're, yeah, they're, the sincerity of them being like a full family, like that opening scene of them at the temple shrine and kind of talking about how when we were younger, we all, we wanted to um, be the the couple performing the routine on stage. I I don't know what the proper term for it is, but it's basically a, a dance rendition talking about the history of the culture, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, it's very revered. Re- what's the word I'm looking for? Revered. It's a revered role. There we go. Yeah, so their entire um, uh, pulling it off. I, I think that James is maybe a little on the flatter side. Um, like, maybe some of his line reads are... They're supposed to be a little more subdued. Like, he's not a goofy dad, and he's not an overly stern dad. He's, you know, he's, he's a chill dad. He's a very cool dad archetype. And sometimes it's hard to pull off without getting into flat line reads or just being more subdued. Um, but, uh, I mean, overall, it, it sounds like a believably... Um, yeah, a believably chill dad character. And then Allison's... Uh, got a little more maturity to her, a little more mature sounding. But yeah, when they play off of each other, uh, it sounds exactly like you're, you guys were saying, two people who just make a really cohesive family together. 
So that that covers that group. That was quick, wasn't it? <laughs> well, when you when you when you have a ninety minute movie, there's only so much you can talk about. That's true. Um, th- there was a TV series actually based on this that Madhouse also did, but that never got licensed, at least in America. So I can't find it anywhere. Bewildering. Don't know why that was, but anyways. Um, so uh, moving on to the actual in itself. Once we get the roll, the ball rolling, we need a couple of people to actually man the inn, or in this place, Grandma the inn. So let's move on to our cast of characters who run this inn. So uh, the, le- the 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 Grandma who runs the inn is Minaki Seki, and uh, she has been doing this for quite a while. And she's you know she's a Grandma character. We'll we'll get to her when we get to her. Um, but not only do we get to talk about her in her current stage of 100 plus years old i don't quite know they also flash back to her as a young character and we get to see her uh interacting with another character who we'll also talk about in a bit um just in her younger days which is played by a different voice actor so we'll cover that as well we also have etsuki tajima who is sort of the uh the maid of the inn it's a smaller inn so i guess one housekeeper is basically all that they really need and we also have the cook who is um kominoda and like we said he run- he's I mean, you you got to feed people. You you can't open an inn and just give them a good bed. You got to feed them, and you got to feed them right. So who plays these characters? So for Minaki, we have Glynis Ellis. Has she done anime work before? Yes, she has. If you saw the dub of Your Name, she plays Mitsuha's grandma Hitoshi in that movie. So this isn't her first rodeo as an anime grandma. Has she done anything else besides that? No, no, not really. Um, if you've seen her in anything before, um, if you're a fan of watching Law & Order, Law & Order Criminal Intent, or Law & Order SVU, uh, you've probably seen her as judges in all of those shows, because she plays a lot of judges in television shows. No, no, are we talking about a seasoned TV character actor who is not known for one role in particular, but you may have seen in a bunch of stuff without knowing it? That is exactly what I'm talking about. Very perceptive. Yes, I love talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> they're so good at acting without being obvious about it that's true because i mean i've only seen svu mostly but i mean if she showed up in the other shows as a judge or as like any other character i probably wouldn't recognize her but i'd be like damn she's really good at this switching over to young Minako, we have a relative newcomer to the voiceover scene we have fiona fatuava um the only role that i could find for her in and I'm not just talking about in voiceover, but I mean like in acting at all, is there is this anim- Amazon series uh, called The Bug Diaries, and she plays the character of Elsie in that series. So as you can imagine, she's a little on the younger side, which maybe makes her a good fit for a young character. We'll get to that in a bit. So uh, covering for Etsuko is Noelle M. Depoila. And she has done a good chunk of voiceover work, uh, particularly in the New York side of things. If you've seen I, My, Me, Strawberry Eggs, she plays the principal. If you've seen, let's, let's go way back here. If you've seen Haibane Renmei, she plays the house mother in that. Love that series. And she's also had uh, various voiceover work in a couple of other NYEV dub movies like Lou Over the Wall and Satellite Girl and Milk Cow. And finally, to round it out for the chef co, we have Scott Williams who has done some voiceover work. Yeah, he's done some dub work before. Uh, if you've seen Gundam Thunderbolt December Sky, he plays Burroughs on that. If you've seen Your Name, um, yep, we're bringing right back to Your Name, uh, he plays Toshiki, which is uh, Mitsuha's dad in that movie. And if you've seen uh, 
this is probably what he's most well known for in the anime circle. If you've seen and or played any Pokemon series that has the character of Darkrai in it, he plays Darkrai, like in Pokemon Rise of Darkrai. Again, I don't know who this character is. I'm just reading the ANN cast list. I know there's someone listening out there who knows exactly who I'm talking about. Hardy, do you know who I'm talking about? I don't watch Pokemon. All I know is... I, I can confirm... All I know about Pokemon is that Snorlox is the best. This is true. I can confirm I mean, that Darkrai is a Pokemon, so he's one of those he's one of those people they've hired to just say the same word in different inflections into a microphone. Oh, uh, okay. Which sounds like not a terrible gig, frankly. <laughs> no, that was um was uh I think it was one of the in the original dub, one of the one of the engineers or someone got the job of playing uh Charmander and <laughs> thought he was just going to be like a one-note character. So like, wow, well, I'll fill in for this. But then he had to keep doing it over and over again until the end of time. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> so um, let's talk about these uh, this four, the people who run this inn, basically. Amon, um, first thoughts on Minako. She's good. Um, that's Grandma. She actually, yeah. she actually, she actually reminds me a little bit of my grandmother in that she's nice, um, but she also ran an actual fucking business for several decades and will not take your shit if you try and push it on her. Um, which I appreciated. That's always fun. Um, I like, I like, I like Linus's performance a lot. She felt, uh, again, like authentically grandmothery. Um, especially when like she's she's playing off of Oko, you can see that like the warmth and the relationship there. Um, but she also, it's like, I'm running a business here. We have a way of doing <laughs> things. And like, I, you're my granddaughter, I love you, but if you're going to live here, gotta do it right. Yeah. It's an interesting dichotomy because you know, she's very old-fashioned. She's very much, you know, wear the traditional kimono, run the inn like mm -hmm. they would, they, they've been for decades. But she doesn't come off as, like, um, overly strict either. It's a very mm -hmm. interesting contrast. Yeah, no, I feel I feel like if this were like an American production, she'd be like the end, she'd be like one of the antagonists of it, and she'd have to warm up to Oko or something like that. And here it's yeah. just like, no, just do, do your job well, and everything's fine. That's all. I appreciated that as well. We can... She wasn't like the cranky grandma who has to loosen up. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Have either of you seen this ancient Disney movie called Pollyanna? It's been ages. I'm, I'm... I'm familiar with Pollyanna. All I can all I now. can remember about that movie is somebody ending up with a cherry pie on their face. That's literally the only thing I remember. <laughs> wow, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to remember from that movie. But if that's all you're, that's probably good because there's a lot of horrible stuff in that movie too. So I'm glad you remembered the one good part about it. But I, I bring it up because the um, the ant character that Pollyanna has to go live with is like what I assumed that Minako would be like, like you're saying I'm on in an American production is very, um, you know, the world is a dark, cruel place and I must raise you to deal with it. But then she warms up to her sunshiny personality by the end of it. Hmm. So Hardy, what, what's your take on Glennis's uh, portrayal of playing yet another anime grandma? Oh, it's fine. Yeah, uh, again, like I'm going to be saying with a lot of the minor characters in this episode, that none of them really d uh, acted in any way that I did not personally enjoy. Uh, I think the problem with, other than Minako, especially with the housekeepers and the cook, is that they sort of blend in the background. 
Mm-hmm. They are very, yeah, they're, they're very, they're important to the plot, but at the same time, they're they're very one note characters. I think other yeah. than Oak, the uh, the the two junior innkeepers and the spirits, that's going to be the case with most of the cast. So it's kind of hard for me to really develop a solid opinion based simply on that. Okay, especially so from if it was a TV series that I could better judge the characters over time. But because mm. it's all self-contained in a 90-minute movie, um, it's really hard to break down the individual performances because they only hit they, only, they, they hit the notes that they're supposed to, and then they just sort of go away after 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah there's, there is the downside of they have to be there for a functional purpose, so they don't exactly have personalities outside of that function for, for um, Etsuko and Co. So I'm going to give you a challenge here, Hardy. Let's say you're the casting director on this, and you've got a movie being made, and you get to choose the voice actors. Do you go the route that they picked and pick good actors with normal-sounding voices, or do you go celebrity? Like, do you get Gilbert Godfrey and Roseanne Barr to play these characters? The only only time it is ever okay to go full celebrity is not with anime dubs. It's with preleg. Because then the characters are basically based on the actors you don't you don't cast chris rock to play to play to play a zebra you make that zebra (laughs) act like chris rock and so there have been a very very few times to where i've actually been impressed with actual celebrities in anime dubs and there is one there is one like well i mean there are exceptions like patrick stewart and in um in nausicaa And also, of course, the late great Phil Hartman in in um, Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, exactly. But they, you know, it's I do not stunt cast. I would never stunt cast. And so it's better if you're going to pull from more live action and theater um, actors, then it's definitely better to go with someone who can actually understand the concept of of anime and voice acting in general. You know, I'm going to agree with that. Um, as mm-hmm. as fun as I'm sure it would be to get like, um, oh God, what, who's the Hell's Kitchen guy? I'm blanking on his name right Gordon now. Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. As fun as it would be to get Gordon Ramsay to voice the cook in this, just for the knowledge that it's Gordon Ramsay, I, I agree that would take away from the believability of the role because it would be sun casting. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't do justice to the source material. I was going to say usually the only time that works is when they've st- they've happened to stunt cast somebody who is, you know, like. In one of the Ghibli dubs, like, Mark Hamill plays one of the villains, I think, and it's like, Mark Hamill has plenty of VO experience. Like, he doesn't need to be taught anything here. I mean, that's the... Uh, I don't... I wouldn't consider that an example of stunt casting, because, you know, he, he's... I mean, that's... <laughs> by that point, yes, he was Luke Skywalker, but by that point when the movie was being... I mean, dubbed, that's also... That's all. That's also true. Mark Hamill is not exactly a marquee name. No. Maybe, 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 maybe as of the last few years, he is again. But certainly not when that was being done. Definitely, like when they cast him as the villain in like Motor City. I'm like that. That is exactly where he belongs. This is not typecasting a movie star. This is making good use of your Mark Hamill. That's fair. That's fair. That's same um, same thing to say about guys like Ron Perlman or uh, or Pete, yeah, yeah. or uh, Keith oh. David. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as fun as it would be to like maybe like model uh, the the Shadow Man off of Keith David's performance. I mean, like he, he fit into that role really well, and he brought his own personality to it. So I, I guess that that kind of covers um, Etsuko and Co. pretty well because I mean I, I'm on the side of saying like they're very good at what they do. They fill the role well. Like Noel's got that good 
maternal voice to her. Scott has like a bit of a grustle because he's supposed to be an older voice, but you know he sounds good. But uh, I don't have anything negative or standoutish to say about either of them. Yeah, no, that's that's my feeling. It's like they're playing deliberately simple characters. They play them really well. I wasn't, I was enjoyed it. I wasn't distracted by anything. Cool. So I guess that the only one to really um, talk about then that, um, and th- this is going to cover into the child actor portion of it, which thank you directing casters for actually having child actors in this because it's, you know, it's a coin flip situation about whether or not you get a good performance as it always is. But I appreciate that in a world of having um, girls play um, young characters all the time in our dubs i appreciate getting child actors once in a while so what did you guys think about fiona's uh brief appearance as young minako it's there she has like two lines it's it's fine yeah but was it cute i guess again it's some some it's some sometimes you just have a you have a small not thankless, but just a tiny roll, and it's barely big enough for you to even leave an impression. What, what do they say? There are no small actors, only small. No, there's no small parts, only small actors. And I think sure. I think <laughs> this character it covers both aspects of that. That's true. I'm just I'm just imagining in the future, like maybe like you know, ten years in the future. Fiona is going to be, like, a huge anime voice actor, and we could have the luxury of saying, like, aha, we covered her before anybody else did. <laughs> we were here first. For, yeah, we've call, we call first in the comments section. But, yeah, it, it's a small part, and she does it well. I mean, Hardy, was this one of those child uh, actor examples you're thinking of that didn't quite work for you? I don't even all- know because it's so small. It's, it's over. The, there's a flashback sequence that lasts about... If it's five minutes, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's in, it's impressive. But I mean, I, I have nothing to say. It's it's such a small part. Fair point. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have um, like told Glennis, "Hey, we're gonna have you play a young version of yourself here. Can you like pitch your voice up to sound five years old in the scene? Like, I'm sure that would be fun to listen to. But I I much prefer that they actually get an actual child for the role." So that I think that covers the cast per, the, the the covers the ins cast pretty well. Mm-hmm. I love how we got off on a side tangent talking about Mark Hamill and Keith Stunt David. Stunt casting. That yeah, that was great. There, there, there needs to be one at least one tangent every episode. Yeah. Now we've met our quota and we can be smooth sailing. Excellent. No more tangents. None. Oh come on, Hardy. All right, I promise. Maybe, maybe, at the, maybe at the very end, if we're very, very good, I'll try my best. Speaking of trying my best, when you've got an inn, you've got to have people stay in it, or else you're out of a job. And uh, we're going to cover very quickly. Um, there's basically three major storylines in this movie because this is not a movie that has like a very linear uh, first act, second act, and final act. Uh, this is feels like strung together multiple stories from multiple books that just happen to make up the length of a movie. So we're going to talk about the six guests that make up the bulk of the people who stay at the inn. The first two who we're going to talk about are a father and son pair. It is Kanda Kosei and his son Akane Kosei. They are visiting the local area to visit the shrines because uh, the wife slash mother died not too long ago. And so they're kind of 
dealing with the grief of that, specifically Akane. And luckily, Oko's capriciousness kind of gets to him as she helps him deal with, you know, as someone who also lost her parents recently, get over that grief. The second person who is of keynote is Seki, um, aka Glory Suryu. And she is basically a fortune teller. And not only that, she's a spendthrifty, fashion-obsessed fortune teller. I don't know... I did not know that fortune tellers could make enough money to go on a Chanel kind of shopping spree, but apparently they can. So we get to talk about that. And then lastly, we get to talk about a family of father, a mother, and a son, Bunta, Toriko, and Shota Kisei. And the main consent is that Bunta is there kind of recovering after an accident, which requires him to have to eat food that is low salt and low cholesterol. And luckily, Oko and Ko's um, resilience get the job done right before we find out a tragic past story about Bunta that kind of makes up the climax of the movie, as it were. There's not really a climax, but we have to have one to finish it off. So, I'm going to rapid round style who plays all these characters. Kanda is voiced by Nikolai Gordon. He has been in one thing I have been able to find before, and he is Moses in a 2015 film called Dark Prism, which I have not seen nor had I heard of before. So I apologize, Nikolai. I'm not familiar with your work ahead of this. Who I am a little more familiar with is Akane's voice actor, Ethan Jack Berman. Now, uh, he does not have any other screen or voiceover performances but what he is is ethan is uh he's the founder of ejb entertainment which does live shows and dj entertainment around the new york area and i particularly love he's got uh accessibility on the website cameo which a lot of voice actors do and his tagline is i'll roast your friends fire your employees and make you laugh that was quite the eye-catching slogan really huh Yes. Mm. Well, uh, we'll get to talk about this in a second. But there, there's people who have very interesting entertainment backgrounds, such as uh, the voice actor for Glory, who is Brittany Cox. Um, she has done some voiceover work before. Um, actually, if you've seen Gundam Build Divers Re-Rise, she plays Maya in that one. If you've seen the Netflix uh, redub of the series Altered Carbon Resleeved, she plays Holly. And... Um, it's also an interesting one. She's also done some um, voiceover redubbing for feature films as well. There's this Swedish dystopian sci-fi film called Anaria, which is basically a spaceship that goes off course trying to get to Mars, and the cast is basically dealing with their existential crisis. Uh, she voice over voices uh, a character named Esther in that one. So she's got quite a mix of interesting history on this. Um, also an interesting history is the person who plays Bunta. Bunta is voiced by Lex Wautas. And you have heard him if you've seen um, both old and new anime. Um, he was Lord Alberto in Giant Robo. If you saw the recent film Napping Princess, he played Ichiro. But if you want to go way back in time, if anyone remembers a little show called Space Pirate Mito, uh, he plays the character of Black Ronbon in that series. I'm hearing crickets from all the listeners out there, so I'm assuming that no one has heard of Space Pirate Mito, which is not... Heard a... it, not seen it. Mm, that's that, the most but, I can say. Yeah, but they, it does get referenced in Space Pirate Luluco. Or, or it do, Space yeah, Patrol that, Luluco, yeah. That is the only reason that I know of that, because you look at the art style of Mito, and it, it looks kind of like what they went for with Luluco, and like you said, they have a direct shout-out to it in that show. 
So, um, his wife, Toriko, is voiced by Erica Schroeder. And she is probably um, one of the more um, uh, more seasoned anime actresses in this. If you saw the Fully Cooly Alternative uh, miniseries, she played the character of Maki. If you saw the recent dub of Emma, a Victorian romance, she plays Kelly. Nobody's and... seen the recent dub because it hasn't been released yet, Noah. That's true. <laughs> this is for the future. Good question. This, this is, that's right. This is for the future listeners who have gotten to see it. And, okay, here's one that um, nobody remembers except for Jet. Jet will remember this. If you've seen Shaman King, she played the character of Lyserg in that one. I only know this because I know he's recently been going through the series of Shaman King. And finally, uh, Shota is played by Michael Diener. And, you know, he's a, uh, he's a child actor as well. So uh, not too many roles to point out. Like, he had various voices in movies like Lou Over the Wall, Makuya, and Mazinger Z Infinity. And uh, the character of Jack in a pilot of a series called It's a Man's World, which I can't describe. I will just say, if you want to find out what it's about, go find it out. It's interesting. I'll say that much. So that's a lot of people to talk about. Uh, Amon, who do you want to take a stab at first? Uh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with the Kosai's. Uh, who I thought they did a nice job. I especially liked um, Ethan's performance. I thought he did a good job of making Akane sound like a moody teenager. No kidding. But not not. I know, but not not like his grief felt legitimate. Like I think. Poorly done. I think this this can you can end up with a weird thing where like this kid who's mourning the death of his parent just sounds kind of whiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he did, he did a good job of making it feel like actually sincere. Like this felt like a a a young person who has gone through something horrible and is kind of just resentful about everything right now because he's in a real bad place. Um, I liked him as well. I thought Nic- Nikolai was pretty good. I thought. Of a lot of the one-off characters, for whatever reason, I thought Kanda seemed the most slight. It might have just been that I found his hairstyle very distracting. <laughs> that... uh, I, I don't know. The, lo- the long hair and kind of like the half-beard thing, it just, it's just not working for yeah, me. Yeah, I was like, I mean, are they supposed to be hobos? Are they not going to be able to pay for their hotel room? And... I'm, 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 I'm assuming he's some sort of pretentious artiste type. I don't know. <laughs> they do exist. He kind of looks like Saiten from the old video game Xenogears. See, that he looks like a character from Xenogears really says it all, doesn't it? I mean, I was just going to say Eraserhead, uh, but sure. What's a Xenogear? We'll tell you next. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I bet at everything. Um, um, but I did, I did like Nikolai's performance. I thought he did a good job playing this guy who's trying his best. That's... And, is in the awkward, and is in the awkward position that he has probably by being an adult, has moved on a little more readily than his son has and is maybe not entirely sure how to handle that. Now, see, I'm going to disagree because um, of the entire mm-hmm. cast, even for one-note side characters, I thought Nikolai was the was the weakest of the entire cast. Um, it's mm-hmm. very didactic and monotone in his delivery, and I've got just one line um, where he's, you know, he's talking to Oko, and it, whatever reason he was saying it like this, he says... We need a place to stay. I was like, <laughs> why are you talking like that? 
so I mean, I think he was. I think he was trying to go for like a more subdued voice. You know, he was supposed to be mm-hmm. you know, still grieving, which is understandable. But it was the kind of line read where it sounds like someone reading lines off a paper. It was. It was his first take. It could very well have been. I mean, that's. It, it's. It wasn't like so bad that I would you know switch over to the sub track or anything like that. It was. It was just kind of like those. Someone who maybe just needs a little more experience in voiceover first. Mm. Would you would you say that he might have uh, the look, looking at the character? Would you say that he probably like took a drag off a joint or, before he read it? I mean, I, I can chill with those kind of guys. <laughs> like, I can you know shake a snow, a snow globe with those guys and say, "You ever think about how small the universe is, and we're just a tiny speck on it?" Like, I can get with that. This is this guy was just like kind of checked out the kind the kind of guy who you go to their cubicle at 4 30 in the afternoon it's 30 minutes to, and he's gone he is already planning out his afternoon i have a hard time believing that ethan is only 18 years old because he sounded a whole lot younger yeah in this in fact when i first watched it i thought it was the case where they had a female voice actress play the character interest yeah and so it, it's kind of kind of throws me for a loop that ethan actually owns his own business that's yeah i i, I am shocked to learn this guy is old enough to own anything like he he, he does not sound <laughs> he, 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 he nails being useful very I mean, well yeah I, I don't have very yeah i don't have any other roles of his to point to and say like you know watch this as another indicative of what his style is but i i've looked online and there's uh there's a video interview that ethan did um it was like very low profile only a couple hundred views on it but he basically talked about how uh he he kind of did the george carlin thing of got the taste of um, being praised at a young age and just kind of like kept chasing that. And so even in like through high school, started the small entertainment business that would, you know, travel to weddings, bar mitzvahs, office parties, and put on performances with a crew. And he's apparently still doing that in college. I think he's at NYU right now. Oh, that's interesting. Because, yeah, he sounded he sounded much younger than 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 he, than he apparently is. Mm-hmm. And so that actually, that actually is is pretty impressive. Um, Nikolai didn't stand out to me, other than being just sort of the shabby old hobo dad. <laughs> he didn't really have much of a presence, and so I, I, again, it comes down to I would have more of an opinion if this wasn't just a ninety minute movie, mm-hmm. and I could explore these characters over a period, a longer period of episodes. Um, and then there have been, there have been ninety minute movies that I can have more of an impression over the actor's performance, and and just with this one, it's just I guess it just feels so natural and so moot that you don't really really listen very much for the quality of the performance. It's just kind of there. Yeah, yeah, that, that's fair. So, and so, um, I'm going to move on because I want to talk about. A few of these actors who, until I saw the credits, I was convinced that they were other voice actors and who they are. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And so, right. Um, Toriko, Erica as Toriko is, again, just there. Doesn't really make an, an impression to mm-hmm. me. And so, and I have no. I say uh, Micah as, Michael as Shota sounds like a little kid. I mean... 
Because Shota is probably the youngest character that we deal with in the movie because he's literally just a toddler. And um, the fact that he sounds like a toddler the, it makes his job well, well done, I guess. So, when, he, when, he's ho- when he's hollering about not wanting to leave the inn, it's yeah. like, this is a very authentic <laughs> young child complaining. This is yeah. this kid feels like he's got practice. Correct he's got practice. Right. Now let me talk about Brittany Cox as Glory and Lex Wotus as Bunta, because I could have sworn... See, I actually watched this in the theater. I could have sworn mm-hmm. that these two were Amber Lee Connors and DC Douglas. I could swear yeah. by it. But actually now now having known, having watched the DVD, the Blu-ray again, and actually listened to it, now I know I can tell the difference. But I, I, I for the longest time, I'm like, no way, that's got to be a pseudonym. they got to be using an alias or something like that. But no, it's... It, it is. De- that, and that's what I think about their performance. I think that Glory sounds very similar to Amber Lee Connors' sort of delivery. And I, that's not always a good thing because Amber is one of my uh, love it or hate it actresses with her performances. Oh. Yeah. And um, I think Glory is a fun character, but I don't think the performance was 100%. I think it could have, have used a little bit more punch up and a few lines fell very rather flat. Um, are we talking as about in, for, like, uh, just um, the flatness? Are we talking about in like the hanging out back at the end scene, and she's talking about her history, or are we talking about the uh, the car ride to the mall scene? Because those are very different parts of her personality. More or less, whenever she's being more subdued and not more in, in her energetic moments. Okay, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because Glory is probably one of my favorite characters in the whole film. Oh, by far. Um, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I have... It's not a bad performance, but I think it might have... Might have got... Might have been better with a few more takes. Without sounding too mean. Um, Lex is Bunta. Again, I just could have swore he was DC Douglas. But um, Can you remind me I who think DC he, Douglas is again? Well, you wouldn't know who um, who Wesker was, so because you don't play Resident Evil. That's like Let's a computer game, right? Yeah, it's one of them <laughs> one of them video games. I like you. Know, but did, did you watch? Did you watch JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? Diamond is unbreakable. I haven't seen any of it beyond the first season. Okay, because he was Yoshikagi Kira. Um, I don't know of any roles you would be familiar with, Noah, to be perfectly honest, because you, yeah, because you don't watch the new Animu, so. I, I, but, I've, been, um, I've been busy watching uh, Retro Crush stuff recently. I, I just watched uh, Blue Submarine number six last night. Uh, Retro Crush is some good stuff, but anyways, um, yeah, I think he's able, because of Bunta's history, his past, and the, what he's currently going through, I think he was really able to bring this genuine... Um, fatherly tone to this guy who's he's trying his best to make up for his mistakes and and he just wants to eat some he wants some good fucking food <laughs> finally some good fucking food yeah, he, yeah. He, just, he just wants to be able to enjoy his meal god damn right. it yeah. 
And so, yeah, I think he did a really good job as as the the wounded father, both wounded in his body and his pride and his soul. Yeah, that was that the entire lead into finding out that uh, he he was the one who caused the car accident that killed Oko's parents at the beginning of the movie is uh, is well built up because I mean, I didn't know like why do we need to care about this this whiny I want to eat good food guy and then we find out why and I'm like, "Oh, and so, and his entire his kind of apology, his, his very much breakdown near the end of the movie about how he you know he can't make amends for anything, and he just wishes he would just hope that Oko can forgive him, is uh, a really strong performance. Like it definitely sells the climax of the movie because we we needed a big emotional thing to finish it off, and Lex gave it to us. Um, I'll also I'll also agree that Toriko and Shoto are uh, good character actors and what they have to do. You know, like they, they fill the the roles that they need to. Michael sounds like he's you know having fun playing a kid in a movie where he is himself a kid. So yeah, no no criticisms there either. Uh, Aman, what about uh, yourself on either uh, Glory or the Kisays? Um, I agree. Erica, Erica, Michael are nice. Michael. Good little, good little. He does that little, my little kid. Good. Uh, Erica is like good and solid. She is. I mean, she's she plays the wife. Uh, she turns in a perfectly good performance. Uh, I enjoy Brittany as Glory a lot, especially during like. I think a lot of it's just the ball montage. <laughs> gonna... I haven't. I haven't seen a good shop. I haven't seen a movie with a good shopping montage in years. It that just came fun. out of nowhere too. It really did, and I was just like, "Well, this is nice." <laughs> Look at this. They're, oh, they're having a blast. Um, I thought she was a lot of fun. And I thought Lex did a good job, especially during the moments when, like, you find out why he's in this movie. Uh, and I thought he just played it really well. Like, he nailed the drama of the scene. Um, also, he was in Giant Robo, which I loved, so props <laughs> to that. Yeah, you, you wait, yeah, you listeners out there, you wait till that Blu-ray comes out. We're going to talk about Giant Robo, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm I'm only uh, like, Giant Robo is like is that connected to a um, Go Nagai series or am I thinking of a different? No, it's a it's a no. I believe it's a different. I think I think the creator of that also created like one of the. Well, it's Johnny Sacco just flying robot. That doesn't clear it up for it's, me. That's it's it. No, it's another one of like the really old like pre Gundam giant robot shows. That's from, what like, I was 60s. thinking. I, I only know stuff made by yeah. Gonagai or Tezuka. I think, I think I think he's I think he I think that's pre Gonagai as well. Actually, now oh. that I think about it, I think it's oh even wow, more than that. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, these are I like these are like a nice set of performances on the whole. They 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 hit their marks. They did a reasonably good job. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like uh, on the whole, like uh, us trio of manly men are in agreement that this is um, basically good uh, filling of the roles that they had to have. I mean, like you were saying, Hardy, if this was a TV series and we could devote one whole episode to each of the groups, then we could probably flesh them out a little bit more. But the series decided not to do that. Um, this is it's it's interesting that a lot of like a lot of comparisons can be drawn between Ghibli films. Um, to this one. Honestly, what this reminds me the most of is, like, movies that feel like a bunch of smaller stories stitched together. And actually... Japan has a lot of those. I think Miss Hoku's side was like that, too. Yeah, that was another one. That was... That also felt like that there wasn't really a through line. It was just a bunch of smaller stories stitched together. That's because it was based on a manga. 
and manga are in general like ser- not they tend to have you know filler parts and stuff like that. Right. So now the the not all of them are complete serials. The, That'd be like if they made a movie based on Master Keaton. <laughs> it'd be like three different chapters. I mean, I can see them doing not not a. Uh, uh, adaptation of all the content. I can see him doing the blackjack thing for Master Keaton, where they pick one really good story and just amp it up for a theatrical release. But well, I mean, the best episode of that show is Corrigan of the Desert, and they fit that within twenty-four minutes. They did, but can you honestly say that you? W- yeah, so they could have they could have even more scenes of him just lounging around <laughs> London, not doing yeah. much of and, and and you know, stealing spoons and, and random paraphernalia from desks and stuff without thinking it. So tell me you wouldn't pay good money to see that animated. Yeah. Keaton's a fucking klepto. You can't. You can't. <laughs> he's, Keaton, he's basically he's Marie from Breaking Bad. Anyways, we're getting off. <laughs> That's what we do here. But yes. So yeah, good good role on uh, the characters to say in the end. I'm I'm sure that if uh, anyone finally gets around to licensing the series that apparently is much more episodic that we get even more characters to talk about. But what we do get to move on to mm-hmm. is we get to talk about the spirits around the inn. Yes, this is not just us. not just an inn with an adorably cute schoolgirl junior maid. We also have spirits haunting, well, not really haunting the area, but uh, basically Oko can only see them. And uh, we'll talk about why they're here. The first one who she encounters, and she even encounters him before she even gets to the inn, she encounters him in his near in her near-death experience, is Makoto Tachiyuri, or Uribo, who is a boy who died many years ago and was actually a close friend of her grandma, Minako, and uh, has basically been hanging around the inn as a living spirit, just keeping an eye on her, and Oko's the only one that can interact with him. Another spirit that uh, only Hoko can interact with is a character named Mio Akino. Mio Akino, who is a young girl who uh, died when she was also very young. There's, there's a theme here of young kids dying and turning into ghosts. And uh, she's actually the younger, well, technically the older sister of another character who we will talk about in the final section. And also we've got not a ghost, but a... A little spirit-horned demon named Suzuki. Like the car! They actually throw that in the script. (laughs) (laughs) Who um, is um, responsible for basically attracting guests to the inn. Um, uh, He's got, like, he, she, it's not quite clear, is uh, kind of like a a attractor of good and negative energy alike. And so manages to bring a lot of people to the inn. And so that's why we keep them around. So and subsequently steal their their food. It, it, it's a small price mm-hmm. to pay. I mean, you weren't going to eat those tea cakes anyway. Fuck, I was. <laughs> what are you talking about? They, they did look good. You steal my pudding, I put you in the hospital. That also looked good. <laughs> it tastes like <laughs> summer. Please don't put me in the hospital. I have I have a family to feed. So, uh, voicing these characters, um, Uribo is voiced by K. J. Ikens. And this is uh, once again a char- is a actor who only has one role, to my knowledge. So there's this FX series called Pose that has been running for many years. Uh, it's about 1987 New York City, um, and KJ plays a character named Quincy in that show. Uh, to my understanding, he only shows up in one, maybe two episodes, but that is still more than any of us have been in. So that is commendable, KJ. Mio is voiced by Tessa. Frescogna, 
That's um, unhealthful, sorry. Um, who has a lot of theater experience. Um, like, uh, she was recently in a production of, a Broadway production of Annie as the character of Molly. Um, and if you've seen her in anything on television, she plays girl in one episode of The Blacklist, which is this eight-season-long show that I also have not gotten around to seeing. Heard of it, just haven't seen it yet. <laughs> is that the one with Spader, right? Yeah. I believe so, yes. James James Spader comes back to the public eye. <laughs> so, um, but one person who... All right, we'll, we'll finally get around to an actress that you have heard of before. Finally here. You ever hear of an uh, uh, actress named Colleen O'Shaughnessy? Yeah, she's name rings the bell. She's Momo Yayarosu, right? Oh wait, that's the other Colleen. No, oh god. So, uh, yeah, we uh, Colleen voices the uh, the character of Suzuki, and you've heard Colleen in stuff like uh, Sora from Digimon Everything. Uh, if you've been watching the super successful Toei production of Glitter Force, she plays the character of Kelsey. Um, but of course, all of you know her as the character of Jazz Fenton in Danny Phantom. Finally, going to talk about that show on this podcast. Woo! Yeah. Also, need I remind? <laughs> she's also Ino Yamanaka, aka the Blonde Momo. So yeah, she's well. She's been in quite a bit, both on the anime and American side of things. So when we were going through the cast list of this, and I, I told these guys, there's like maybe one actress that I recognize in this entire cast, and that was the one who I recognized. Wait. Uh, I, I will I will note of the cast list on this that's on Wikipedia. She's the only one who has her own Wikipedia <laughs> page. So I'm telling I'm telling you, one day Fiona is going to have her own page, and we're going to be so proud that we covered her first. <laughs> but uh, switching over to the spirits and trolls here, Hardy, uh, what do you think? We got two newbies and one seasoned veteran. Well, the seasoned veteran, you can definitely tell because she she really knocks it out of the park, and it's by playing. I guess what I assume is a male character because it doesn't wear because it goes around shirtless, but that again that doesn't mean anything. No. Um, yeah, um, Colleen obviously brings her a game because uh, she voices it with a little boy voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember. I know she has done little boy voices in the past. I can't really remember one off the top of my head. I can't either. But uh, but uh, it works for this particular character. This because he is basically a troll who loves to steal people's food and and just you know cause various amounts of mischief but he does help out with the the weeds so that's he has that in his favor mm-hmm. um the other two these are where it starts to get iffy with the child actors okay because I really don't know what kind of voice KJ was going for with Uribo. I'm like, there were times to where it felt like it was obvious he was reading off a script. Mm -hmm. And there were times to where it did feel a little bit more natural. But it's kind of hard to really... Because Uribo is, is... He's an interesting little guy because... During some of his more high energy moments, where he's chasing Mio and where he's you know he's um, breaking down because because Oko can't see him anymore, um, you can definitely tell that there's there's emotion behind it, but it's not it doesn't always come across as as authentic. And same thing with Tessa as Mio, I, you, you definitely 
they are held back by the fact that they're child actors. Mm. And they don't necessarily have the, the finesse or the, the um, experience that older actors would have. And so it is commendable to use child actors, but it's not always the best idea because you can't always get the best product at the end of the day. Okay. And it's a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword. And that's what I have to say about, about both of these. I mean, so. I mean, I'm looking at, when I think of um, uh, the most iconic child acting, I think of, like, the Charlie Brown productions. I think of, you know, the specials or even the movie that came out not too long ago. And in some of those cases, yeah, it was very obvious that they were reading off of a script. But uh, that was also much more subdued content. Like, th- those were kids trying to sound like, th- saying lines written by an adult, you know? Like, what kind of a kid talks about real estate and pantomonium but these are the characters in this like i commend that the script lets them be kids in this um they're anime kids so there's like mio's got a little bit of the capricious younger girl archetype to her what exactly uribo is going for or what uh, kj is going for uribo i think is supposed to uh play off the fact that he's got big buck teeth in his character design so i think he was trying to go for a bit of a lisp I, i think that was intentional Possibly, yeah. I mean, it's and it's also a, a bit of a slower speaking pattern compared to Mio. Like, I was kind of surprised because a lot of times with the uh, child actors, uh, they'll like speak in a bit of a slower uh, pattern, which, which is more like what people normally talk like. In this podcast here, we're talking in this pace of speaking right here. But if we were doing this for professional voice acting, we have to like speak much faster to keep the pace of the cartoon going. Um, so I, I, I kind of like what uh, both KJ and Tessa were doing in this. It's very, like, it, it breaks up the, what we're used to, I guess, in anime. I guess what I'm getting down to is that if this was how all anime sounded, I guess I'd be just met on it. But it sounds novel because we're not used to this. We're used to, like, the Barakamon situation where we got uh, grown women to play children or any other show that you've seen recently. So I, I like the novelty of that. And I guess it didn't bother me too much. All right, I'm on. Yeah, the novel, go. the novelty is good. It's just that not every actress could be, you know, your Dakota Fanning or your Dave Chase. They're not going to have that that natural talent at a young age. So, I mean, I, I feel really bad for Dave Chase because, like, I yeah, she was really good in Lilo and Stitch, but then horribly directed in something like Spirited Away. Like, I I don't know what was going on with that direction. But I, I think these guys were directed well. Like what. What they were going for, like, I, there doesn't feel like a misdirection in their acting. So, all right, so, Amon, you have to break the tie here. Are you team, this is good and novel and nothing to change? Or are you team, you know what, it's okay, it's just not the best? It probably comes down a little more on the side of... I'm positive on it, I thought especially... I mean, I thought with, um... Oribor Mio, I thought they... they, they it's that thing... People, they sound authentically mm-hmm. like children. Um, which, you know, especially in anime, and even in just, like, you know, even Western animation in some capacity, like, you don't hear that no. as often, uh, depending on mm-hmm. what you're looking at. Um, so it was also, you know, like, when, when, when like, um, Oribo first starts talking, I thought, like, I like this tone of voice. This feels like a good... There's a good... Even aside from the performance, there's a good vocal quality for this character here. And I thought that helped carry a lot of the performance for me. And so the same thing with Tessa, who I thought um, just vocally did a good job being, like, uh, sort of a, a brat, you know, this bratty child aspect. And in her case, I, I thought they did a good job of matching an actress who 
pass, believably passes for a relative for another character we're going to talk about in the mm. next section, um, which I thought helps help that as well. It's like, okay, yeah, I, I buy that, like, these two people are, like, immediate relatives, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, so I think in that, in that regard, that's, that's the other thing. Like, if this, if this was more common, it might seem less mm-hmm. special, but because, like, so much of anime voice acting tends to be a little more over the top than what this show is going for, I thought, like, even just that kind of that naturalism helps sell it in a way that even if the performances themselves are a little shaky because they are, you know, they're child actors and as we've seen, they don't have a lot of, like, recorded professional experience that we mm-hmm. can point to. Um, I think that worked All right. with it. And, Colle- and Colleen was great because she, she clearly <laughs> knows how to play a little, little, little mischief Oni who just goes around eating people's food and eating weeds and so that, that is a, a good contrast to like she like the the two um not very seasoned people and all of a sudden you hear in the in the same scene a voice actress that has clearly been doing this for much much longer and knows exactly what they're doing mm-hmm. it's like night and day comparison i i can't i can it to like um if you've ever seen howl's moving castle um look christian bale's an, a, a fine uh actor and all sorts but you watch the whole thing he's like he's not really a voice actor kind of person and then you get to the end of the movie and you hear professional charismatic voice actor crispin freeman and his voice is just like wow that's what we've been missing this whole movie i don't know what you're talking about christian bale is the best line delivery of his entire career in that movie when he's complaining about how his stuff has been moved Uh, but yeah i like i i i did enjoy these performances on the whole i thought they were good all right that's fair um I don't have anything else to add on that, but um, I, I do think that in comparison to the um, the one-note characters, these ones do get uh, a little more time to develop, and we get to feel a little... First of all, we get to feel sorry for them, because, you know, they two of them are dead, and the other one is always hungry. I don't feel bad for Suzuki. Suzuki's got it going on. Suzuki's got a great deal. No complaints there. Um, and it's 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 vague as to whether Suzuki actually disappears like the other two at, at the end or not. That's true. That that leads itself into uh, yeah an interesting quandary about like are they uh, are they disappeared like did they move on to the afterlife or are they just is Oko just can't see them anymore? Well, no, it explains that it explains that they uh, they get reincarnated. Oh right, right. The the final scene they were talking about that. You're right. I, I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. So um, yeah. So these uh, these three. I, I feel like um I. I'd like for you guys in the comment section to kind of tell us your thoughts on that because this isn't something we get to normally talk about. We don't get to talk about child actors in anime or much of anything, really. I mean, I, I haven't been watching the Amazon series The Bug Diaries, have you? Mm, if one of us is going to be a beat you, the one with actual children. I, so. yeah, you think you think I pay for Amazon? Hell no. <laughs> That's a good answer, Hardy. I, I like your yeah. your honesty. Yeah, I ain't giving Jeff Bezos no more money. <laughs> and well said indeed. So, speaking of um, uh, giving people money, let us move on to the final two characters. And you would think what you're just going to talk about, Oko, right? The title character. Oh, no, 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 no. You see, in this movie, we have not one, but two junior innkeepers. Two young girls who happen to be the exact same age, learning to the business of running competing inns in the same area and we're going to talk about both of them because they are like complete opposites of each other of course we're going to talk about oriko oko seki who is the title character on the poster 
learning to wear a kimono, loves pudding, and is just all around the, the sweetest girl in the entire world. Like, I just want to put her in my pocket and take her home with me. But we're also going to talk about... That's, Ill- that's, that's illegal, Noah. I, I, hold on. No, no, hold on. I, I will sign the necessary paperwork for it. it. I will make this legal somehow. Jennifer is giving me weird looks in the living room right now. <laughs> Creep. I want what I want. <laughs> All right, Jen says she's not staying here. That killed that. Okay. Yep. Okay, and we're also going to talk about Matsuki Akino, who is really pink. She is a... I, I know me and Aman went back and forth on whether or not she qualifies, but she's basically an Ojo-sama character who is uh, in char- is learning to run her family's inn, and apparently the Akinos are like the smartest, wealthiest, most important, most extraordinary people in the entire world. They're basically the special from the Lego movie, and so she... They're better than you. They, oh, they... And they know it. <laughs> more of everything than you, and that personality has to be conveyed in this pink frilly girl who is possibly an antagonist dot 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 it's it's questionable by the end of the movie she means well but she's she she needs to work on her oh her delivery because yeah she, she she's more antagonistic than an antagonist because it's clearly born out of the fact of like she she takes being an innkeeper very seriously and her main beef is just that she thinks Oko is yeah they're and when it becomes more clear that Oko is taking this seriously, she warms up. That's a good point to it. So, these two characters are voiced by actresses. What a shock. Oko, oh, wow. <laughs> Oko is voiced by... Uh, really? I thought one of them was going to be a Vocaloid or something. Don't, don't you bring that on my... One of these days... Don't give Japan ideas, Amon. Just a minute. One day, we're, we'll have a movie where it's all just Vocaloids. Just type the text in, and all the vo- we don't need voice actors anymore. But that, that day, hopefully, will never come. So for this movie, um, Oko is voiced by Madigan Kakmar, who is uh, is actually experienced in voice acting. Um, if you've heard her in anything, uh, you may have seen, if you've seen Psychic School Wars, and I'm sure all of you have, she voiced Kenji's sister. Um, if you've watched the Talking Train series, Chuggington, which I unfortunately have, she voices the character of Coco. <laughs> it's not bad, it's just kind of... Um, it's just kind of annoying, okay? It, it, is, is, it ag- is it aggressively it is, British? Well, I mean, this is the English dub of it, but yeah, it, it is kind of British in its nature. <laughs> Peppa Pig ruined a lot of cartoons, people, let me tell you. But the thing that I actually know Madigan for is, um, if you've seen the recent um, Mamoru Hasoda movie Mirai, she voices uh, Mirai's mom in a flashback sequence where she's basically young mom. And I love that scene because it shows the son meeting his mom when she was the same age, basically acting as rebellious and out of control as he is right now. And that's a great little bit of karma to watch. Go watch that movie if you haven't seen it yet. And voicing Matsuki is Carly Williams. Uh, don't have as many things listed here. Um, she voices Vicky in Grizzly Oril. And Elizabeth Blue in Captain Canine, two series that I had not heard of before writing this list down. So, there's a lot of TV. I will never get around to all of it. None of us will. We will die never having seen anything. Mm. So, um, where we go on this? So, Hardy, um, Carly and Madigan, um, 
How do they portray the two different sides of how to run a hotel? I'm going to start with Carly first because this is the one I'm going to be more critical of. Interesting. She's got this way of speaking to where she always... All of her T's are hard, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I was trying to... Does that sound like a dialect to you? I don't know. That's the thing. Because there are certain voice actresses who, who are in anime who all their T's are hard. Like, you can say the word titantic or, or titanic, and there's always that extra emphasis on the T. And <laughs> I think the way that Carly... I don't know if she does it on purpose to make, make Matsuki sound more snooty and pomp, but it is definitely noticeable, and it's always been something that's kind of bugged me, to be perfectly honest. Like, um, like, the, like, if I'm going to say, I'm not always going to put that extra emphasis on a T. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I'll say Titan. Like, I'll turn the second T into a D. Yeah, you wouldn't I'll, intentionally I'll, say it, the, the hard yeah. T. Yeah. Um, but with some, some people, it's like Titan. They always hit the hard T. And, and I, I, I don't, I don't know if if it's done this way on purpose to make Motsky sound this very prim, proper little princess type, mm-hmm. or, or, or if it's done for some reason or another, it's, it's, it is kind of offsetting in this particular, for this particular character. And so while I, I like the performance in general, she is by far the weaker of the two. Oko herself took some getting used to but as the film goes on I think it's because you spend so much the majority of the film with Oko that she just endears herself to you and some some of the things that normally I would find kind of irritating or offsetting become more endearing as the movie goes on and with repeated watchings Sort of like her little squeals and, and when she screams when she sees a lizard, <laughs> and uh, uh, which is totally iconic at the end of the movie when she unknowingly picks up the lizard and is not no longer afraid of it, which is character development. Yes, character <laughs> progression. Now, but um, tell me if um, this um, when I was listening to those screams, those like very um, childish ways of of um, those onomatopoeia in the movie. It reminded me a lot of Cynthia Martinez. Uh, did that at all sound similar to you? No, too? no. It, it reminded me of Brittany Karbowski. Now, see, especially I... <laughs> especially watching her as Wendy in Fairy Tale, who would who would kind of have those ah! sort of moments. Okay, and, that, that's a fair comparison too. Yeah, and so no, I think on the second watching, I was very critical of of Madigan uh, watching it in the theater, but on um, Riff repeat viewings of the film i think i think she's probably believe it or not my favorite performance in the movie so much so that i actually tried to get her nominated for the dubby fan vote last year no way yeah i included her in my 10 hmm. so well i hope that um we hear in her a lot more stuff and she... you know, go ahead mm-hmm. well okay. i hope I hope that we, uh, yeah, that um, now that she's established herself as um, Hardy's new favorite female voice actress, I hope she gets a lot more stuff. 
Well, I wouldn't say she's my favorite. She's still got a ways to go. <laughs> she's got a lot to mature, but I, I see good things in her future. I, I, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the mic on this because, uh, yeah, Madigan's... Um, it, I was pretty much endured right from the beginning. Um, the, the way that she acted um, almost annoyed by her dad near the beginning of the movie made me wonder, like, okay, what kind of character is she? Go- are they going for? Is she going to be, like, one of those fuddy-duddy, I don't like the old ways, I, I want to just hang out with my friends kind of personality? But very early on from the movie, like, she instantly is okay with uh, running the inn or learning to uh, endorse, embrace the ways that she's been um, sent into and doesn't really uh, have much to get over with her parents, uh, with her death uh, right from the beginning because she's, she seems really almost too perfect. Like one of those kids in movies that you feel like, wow, like I wish I could adopt this kid or I wish I was this perfect or I wish my kids were this perfect. And that just is almost wish fulfillment but madigan really does pull that off really well without being annoying um uh, aman um, any thoughts also on madigan's performance uh i mean i liked it a lot i thought she played the character really well like again she sounds very authentic but i i, I thought she did a good job of actually capturing the character both in terms of being like you know this sort of exciting exciting but anxious girl who's working through some stuff um and yeah she get I, I understand why they cast her as the lead like mm-hmm. this is if you're gonna go with like actual child actors this is the run where all we're like no you really need to like get someone yeah. who's good at it because they're the one you're gonna be following around for yep. the next 90 minutes uh, and i thought i thought she put in a really good performance like she's clearly got good chops which is not surprising because i don't know if you know this we have another we, there's another family connection in this movie oh uh madigan is erica schroeder's daughter you're yeah. kidding. Yeah, she is. No. I did not know that. Yep. Holy so cow. she she's she's uh, she is as much as being having your parent be a voice another voice actor it makes you part of a quote showbiz family. No, I mean that's we've some, seen that before. Quotes around that. I mean, you, you know, know, we <laughs> Yeah, but there's a, there's a difference between being being Drew Barrymore. No, no. <laughs> where literally the past two generations of your family are all actors. That's not what I was thinking of, but thanks for making uh-huh. me think of that. No, I was thinking of, um, like, Bryce Pappenbrook as a, another oh, yeah, voiceover yeah, yeah. example. Yeah, that, that, that should be a more relevant comparison, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think she I think she turns in a really strong performance. Like, I, I agree with Artie. Like, she's probably my favorite in this. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what else she'll do in the future. She's clearly got good chops. True yeah. Barrymore? Like, really, Emma? What? I don't know, it's just... You felt like you had that reference ready to go. Look, the Barrymores were a big fucking deal for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, and the yeah, Baldwins. That, I think it's kind of lost on us. And the Baldwins. And the Arquettes. The like... ball. And the Douglases. But it's... <laughs> George Clooney's mom was somebody. Who's, who was that? I'm blanking on it. But yeah, like... The, the Carrie Fishers and the... Exactly. Yeah. Anyways, um, what else? Um, I also I, I enjoyed Carly Williams' performance. Um, to your to your point, Hardy, I my understanding is in a lot of voice acting, they often when you're kind of like training it, a lot of emphasis is often put on being able to enunciate well. Um, to the point I can I can remember like years and years and years ago, I I saw or read some review of Midori Days where they point out in the dub the guy who plays the lead actor sometimes like slurs his words hmm. a little bit. And in that reviewer's opinion of like this actually makes him stand out a lot against most voice acting I've heard from this yeah. time period. Well, 
proper diction is emphasized. Some, someone who used to do it and still kind of does it mm-hmm. but doesn't do it as much anymore is Christina V. If you go back and mm-hmm. listen to a lot of her older dubs, she hits that hard T mm-hmm. like all the time. And I like Christina mm-hmm. as an actress, but that is one of the more critical aspects I have of her. And so mm-hmm. I, I think if you go back and listen to Monica or or her part in Skullgirls, even, um, mm-hmm. it's really noticeable. Yeah. And I'll, he, I felt mm-hmm. like, like they're trying to work off a dialect from just whatever part of the country they're from. Well, that was the thing I was wondering about with, like, even K.J. Aiken's part is, like, I, I half expect if I flip over the Japanese and knew more about actual Japanese dialects, sound like I have a half, half expect it's, like, be like, oh, you're from the country. You talk like you're from the country. Uh, in much the same way, she is, she talks like she goes to reform school, which I feel like is, mm-hmm. anyone who quotes Leo Tolstoy and Steve Jobs at that age, 100% goes to reform school. Not reform school. Private um, school. No, re- yeah, yeah, where you, send, where you send your daughter to be no. educated. No, reform school is if she gets into fights. Yeah, exactly. She's not going to reform school <laughs> yeah. anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's kind um, of insulting that she quotes Steve Jobs because Oko is the actual orphan. <laughs> but we like Oko. <laughs> that we do. I mean, I, I was, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of against Matsuki doing all the quotes throughout the whole thing. I thought, is this going to be like that one character from Handshakers who their entire personality is just quoting famous people? But I, yeah, I, I, I found it believable just because she seems like the kind of child who has been told a lot of things by adults and often will just kind of parrot it back because that's they're at that age, but uh, Walt, where that, that's Walt that's Disney. their context for the world still. I suppose. What? I mean, it does end up paying off near the end. Like, her entire... Yeah. Like, she she has a giant fucking Beauty and the Beast-style library where she finds out just the perfect way to cook for people <laughs> with low cholesterol needs. Uh, her family's wealthy, uh, And yet she but... doesn't know about Mrs. freaking Dash. <laughs> You're assuming they have Mrs. Dash in I Japan. mean, good lord, this movie would have been over in 15 they minutes have... if they had just tried to Mrs. Frickin' Dash. I'm on. I'm on. What did she, what food, what kind of beef did she give Oko to use? I'm blanking on the name. It, it was, was really it was the, it was pants. the beef that was named after their, uh, their hotel. So it's not like Wagyu. It was probably uh, something yeah. close to Wagyu. It was very, it yeah, was yeah. very close to Wagyu A5 beef. If they've got that, I ha- I can fully expect that they can import a can, not a can, a bottle of fifty cent Miss <laughs> Dash from the American grocery stores. No, not, not, not such. They have their own traditional methods of doing it. It's all about the authenticity, don't you know? I don't care about. I I, I don't think the customers are going to know the difference. Oh, this is so tasty. If you're going, you if, you're going to, if you're going to a Rayocon, you a hundred percent care about that thing. Yeah, <laughs> but just, if you just want to go to a hotel, you can just go to a hotel. I mean, their their hotel was like posh as fuck. They had like a person playing a guitar over, to- like the entire setup had like elevators going up to the fiftieth floor. Like they are h- high end ballers. I don't know what kind of drugs they're dealing with, but that family is loaded. Good God Almighty! I got off track there. Uh, Carly Williams. Says, I I feel like we're kind of divisive on this. The question is: Was it an intentional uh, performance, or was it? more um what carly just sounds like and i feel like that was just what she was directed to do you know like i can't imagine that most kids just sound like this all of the time and i'm sure that you have a very nice inn ours has professional grade water flown in from the antarctic circle don't you know 
I, I have to imagine that they directed Carly to sound like that. And t- as a contrast, just as a contrast to Madigan, I feel like it does the job well. Mm. So whether or not you whether or not you find it uh, distracting or not, I guess kind of depends on how hammy you like your antagonists in cartoon movies. And with that being said, um, I, I think that th- does that cover all the characters? Did we get through the whole thing in like an hour and a half? Uh, did you? Did, did you talked about Matt again, didn't you, Noah? Okay. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think we did. No, I want to take her we... home and put her in my pocket. Oh, uh, you better. You're going to arrest you me be... for that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hi. Noah Clue was later found trying to smuggle lollies in a briefcase. A lolly. Lolly implies that you're older and look younger. She's actually a little kid. That makes it worse. <laughs> Only if you get caught. No, no, I'm not going there. No, that's getting cut out. <laughs> this was a sweet. She's a sweet character, and I, I, we don't get a lot of those. Okay, we we just don't get a lot of those in in movies these days. She's like a Disney princess. <laughs> Oko's in coming soon to Disney Plus. No, don't actually, give them the power. Don't do it, Noah. Don't you... Oh, don't... Oh. They're running out of stuff don't to Don't you put okay? that evil the, on the me, Noah Clue. Don't you put that on us. Got, it's, in five years from now, all of humanity was just born with mouse ears on. There were no survivors. Horrifying. Yeah. It's upsetting. Unlike this movie, which is sweet and adorable. So let's go to our final thoughts to talk about the overall production of Oko's Inn. <laughs> Uh, Amon, what you got to say about the overall movie? What a lovely film. Just so, just such a nice, sweet movie, uh, even for all that goes on in it. Um, like, I, I enjoyed this movie. This this feels very much like, it's nice, I could show this to my parents. If I had to sit a, if I had to, like, babysit somebody, I could easily throw this on and we could have a nice hour and a half to ourselves. Um, the dub, I think the dub on the whole is really strong. I think it matches the movie really well. I had a lot of fun watching this. This is, this is, it's been a stressful couple of months and it was nice watching this. That's sweet. Mm-hmm. Spaceman Hardy. Yeah, it is really a feel good kind of movie for, that you can watch with your whole family. My family I can't watch it with because they, you know, the whole spiritism thing and everything. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think I enjoyed it a lot more on the second viewing that I did originally watching it in the theater. Um, because, to be honest, when I first watched it, I knew nothing about it. I was just basically trying to support as much anime in theaters as possible as I can. So, if there's if there's an yep. anime movie that's coming out in Memphis and I have a free night, and preferably if it's dubbed, but um, even if it isn't, I will try my best to watch it, to go see it, because I want more anime movies to come to Memphis. And, uh, and yeah, I didn't ex- I didn't anticipate buying this until it got picked for the Patreon, and I picked it up with a few other pre-orders. But, um, but now I'm glad I did, because I think I enjoyed it a lot more on the second viewing than, than I did on the first. And um, it's not my favorite movie that came out in 2018, um, but I liked it. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Excellent. And thank you, both of you, for uh, volunteering well, for this. Um, this was, I mean, I knew yeah. Amon had to do it, because I... Uh, fun fact, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, for Christmas last year, I gave him a copy of this movie. It's true. And that, that's how I got my copy of it, too. I ripped, ripped the footage from it, 
Um, which is why I could not uh, watch the sub because I only ripped the the dub version, not knowing we were going to do this episode. I just I wanted to watch the movie, and this was a good excuse to finally do that. So now that now that mm-hmm. you admitted to piracy on on our very own podcast, are you going to go back and buy it? I did buy it, and then you, I gave it to a you, friend. You I it. spent money on it. Mm-hmm. How was that piracy? Right. I, <laughs> I, look, look, okay, if I was to, say, give a couple of bucks to the shady guy in the trench coat behind the Seven Eleven, then you can reap me over the coals for that. But I paid actual money for this. All right. Fair enough. But we'll have our suplex party after the podcast is over. Don't yes. you worry. Yeah. And, and I will lose painfully, and I will be in a cast. But before we do that, I just want to say that this was also a big surprise to watch, because... Uh, there's with as many films as G Kids is licensing these days, because um, they used to be kind of focused more on uh, stuff from Europe or just non-Japanese or American shores, which I appreciated, and they still do that. But now that they're doing a lot more from Japan as well, um, it's difficult to keep track of a lot of them. So I was very glad to get a chance to watch Oko's In, not knowing anything about it, and being pleasantly surprised by just how sweet, relaxing, and well-directed it is. Not just in the voice acting, but also like the actual animation direction on it. it. This is a very fun film to look at. The camera goes in interesting directions. The scenery is very nice. There's always something to look at. Um, I love that kite battle scene near the middle of the movie. If you have a chance and, to watch it on Blu-ray, the transfer is gorgeous. The animation really sweet. Mm. Madhouse did a fantastic job animating it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, big shout out to Kitaro Kosaka and his team because they definitely uh, put their heart and soul into this. And the dub was a pleasant surprise, too. It, the experience of watching this in dub reminded me a lot of watching, like, those old uh, pre-internet bubble anime that were broadcast from, like, things were dubbed in Canada, like Saban Productions, that weren't even tying into a niche. They were just people who came from different backgrounds putting their voices together to put something on screen that you'd never heard of before. This reminded me very much of, like, what it was like watching anime for the first time. So I commend the cast, all the people who uh, put their voices in on this, and I, especially for a key number of voice actors, I hope we hear quite a few of them in the future. With that being said, if you would like to uh, f- to watch Oko's In, uh, originally this wasn't available streaming anywhere, but uh, very recently, like uh, just in the last week, it just got added to Netflix. So lo and behold, if you would like to watch the film, it is right there on Netflix in both Japanese and English. And there is also the uh, home video release from G Kids that we talked about where you can watch it in uh, what Hardy mentioned is a very good Blu-ray transfer. So a couple of different ways to watch the film if you are so interested in doing so. Hold on one second, guys. I'm checking to see if it's on Canopy. I think we looked there and it isn't currently. Also because it's a little little too new to have made the jump to Canopy and services like that yet. But that's a a good, um, like that's still a good resource. Yes, you should still canopy with a K. You should yeah, use it. Anyway. They have a lot of other yeah. G-Kids Use movies on there. They, they do. do. Yeah, hunt down the, the ones they have. Even ones that are not from Japan. Hunt down G Kids is other releases. Like Ernest and Celestine, like, Secret of Kells, Letter to Momo, Cat in Paris, etc., etc., etc. All those good ones. Yep. So, 
Um, so in talking about us, uh, if you want to follow the Dub Talk podcast, you can subscribe to this YouTube channel if you're watching us on YouTube, which is Dub Talk Podcast, or you can follow us on Podbean if you're listening to the audio-only version of this. We also have uh, Patreon, which we talked about earlier. Uh, we're always uh, looking for new and interesting ways to cover English dubs for anime and maybe even some non-anime stuff as we've been dipping into alternative stuff recently. So continuously check back. We promise new stuff every single week. We also have an Instagram. We have a Twitch that uh, periodically gets uh, hijacked to play Jackbox. I understand that uh, some of the people on the podcast like to play that a lot. And I suppose we should probably round this out by asking the individual hosts here, what do you do when you're not talking about uh, cute girls running an inn in Japan? Amon. Uh, I'm Amon Duel. You can find me on Twitter at, at US. Uh, Duel has two U's in it. Uh, I talk about movies and comic books and Raging Against the Sky. Uh, I finally <laughs> updated my blog after about three years of it being of it just laying in waste uh, with an overly ambitious project that I will probably not complete, but let's see how far I can get into it. Um, and uh, I also like music, and I have a song. If, if I have a dusty old song, a few people would be interested. I was going to be disappointed if you didn't have a dusty old song ready for us. Pro- do you want me to do it now or later? Do it now. I, I think you can go ahead and do it now. All right. Uh, so I was a little stumped initially because, you know, oh, it's set in a traditional Japanese inn. Is there anything with there? I know nothing about traditional Japanese music. This is not something I listen to on the regular. But I had it out. Uh, the music in this movie is done by a man named uh, Kichi Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is something of a name. Uh, he Previously, he was in a uh, apparently fairly well-known Japanese band called the Moon Riders, and he also he does a lot of soundtrack work. For example, he did the music for Tokyo Godfathers, which we just covered. Uh, he's done the music for the 2000 live-action Uzumaki movie. He's done a bunch of Beat Takeshi movies, like his um, Zatochi movie from the early 2000s and his Outrage movies. Most notably in the English-speaking world, though, uh, he did the music for the game Mother and its sequel, Earthbound. Uh, so if you're into that, um, however, I found out, I found out a song he had. He has a very fun song called Satellite Serenade he did in the early nineties, uh, which got a remix by British electronica group, The Orb. Uh, and it's, that's, if you know what The Orb sound like, this will give you an idea of it. I, I enjoy it because it actually starts out with what sounds like a part of like an educational film that I think is actually describing like a little rural Japanese village like the one you would find in this movie, which I thought was interesting. Um, so go onto YouTube and track down Satellite Serenade, the Transation Express mix, and you can have 14 minutes of just sort of relaxing 90s electronic music. It'll be a nice time. Awesome. Satellite Serenade. That that does sound like a song from a 90s electronic too. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like right out there with the moon safari or something like that. I, I love it when I give a recommendation. There's just a du- thundering silence afterwards as everyone wonders what the hell I'm doing. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, all I know about uh, electronica from that time period is moon safari and a little bit of Daft Punk. Look, moon safari is a good album. It's it, it is. If you're only going to know one. Not not my favorite. Um, uh, zero, zero seven. Is that the name of the group? Air. 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 They're called Air. Okay, I I was mixing up with some other group. Anyways, yeah, not my favorite of their songs, but I, I'll, it is a good album. Mm-hmm. Where was I going with this? Hardy, what do you do in the world? I'm Spaceman Hardy. You can find me on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. 
I uh, have been retweeting a lot of art and uh, and goat pictures, and I like to rant about Anaplex and the anime industry in general every now and then. I'm also a forum moderator and on both the Funimation forums and Funimation Discord. So if you want to come by, hang out with me there, that'd be great. All right. My name is Noah Clue. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue. I update that uh, Twitter feed uh, fairly regularly um, in discussions about animation from all around the world. Um, currently, as of recording this, I am actually involved in the great challenge of one like equals show one thing from your animation collection. And at the moment, I'm almost up to 50 right now, so I've got to add a couple more to that countdown list. That's been a lot of fun, showing off stuff from the collection that involves stuff that a lot of people haven't even heard of some of this stuff. So that's always fun. And I have a YouTube channel, which is Journey Traveler, which may get updated if I ever get the free time, but who knows when that will be. Alright, it doesn't look like we're getting Hardy back here, so um, I guess we should probably just um, close this off as we normally yeah. would. So, <clears throat> Anyways, thank you all for listening in to this Patreon special exclusive episode of Oko's Inn. Thank you very much, Julia, for recommending this. Like I said, this was a fun little experiment that I think uh, not many of us expected to be as surprised by it as it was. As we were. It's fun when uh, we get to cover those kind of uh, movies on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, and with that being said, uh, thank you all for coming to visit. Uh, enjoy your complimentary pudding, and please come back to visit us soon. Aloha and otaku on, my friends. Keep it manly. Rock on, Boston. Rock on, Chicago.